0: The third case for argument is AJT versus Osseo Area Schools Independent School District Number 279 et al. Good morning again. May it please the court, counsel. This case is about disability discrimination. I still represent AJT, the student here, and her parents. The question is not about discriminatory intent but whether AJT can have the same school day as her peers without disabilities when her health does not permit her attendance in the morning. Every student enrolling in the district is given a full day of school according to the testimony of its special services director in charge of both special education and section 504. AJT needs a full school day as much as, if not maybe more than any other student. And Section 504 and the Americans with Disabilities Act require equal treatment, equal participation, and equal access. The denial of equal education for reasons of administrative convenience is a substantial departure from accepted standards. And these claims should clear the intent hurdle established by Monahan
1: so can can you I'm I'm confused about the relationship between the IDEA and this case Um, assume for the sake of argument that in the earlier case we would hold that you don't you know uh, a fape does not require the full day of school as long as it's calculated to address the students particular needs under this case, would the result be different? Assuming that we're right on IDEA, under the Rehabilitation Act and the ADA, does that out, is that outcome different? Is there a different um, result? In other words, equal education, does that mean equal number of hours? Or is it an, an e- or a good outcome based on the disability?
0: I think the result would be different because the the special education statute on the one hand and the non-discrimination statutes on the other hand have diverse means and ends. And the Supreme Court has clarified for us what has always been a very confusing interplay and overlap between these, uh, these cases in the Perez case uh, and in the Fry case. And it, we, what we now know is these are separate claims, they are separate vehicles, they have diverse means and they have diverse ends. So if
1: you can be as concise as you can, what specifically did the district do wrong under Section 504?
0: The district did a number of things wrong under Section 504 and the Americans with Disabilities Act. First of all, its its officials knowingly decided that AJT could only have a partial school day that, and refused to give her, or even consider the provision of a full school day, an equal school day, a, a, a school day equal to her peers without disabilities who get six and a half hours. The, the district further compounded that uh, those violations by knowingly refusing to investigate, provide the notice that's required to her parents, and correct many disability discrimination complaints over a number of years. The bad faith and gross misjudgment standard of Monaghan invites courts to require proof of animosity or ill will and to adopt its reasoning by conflating discrimination claims with special education claims. If Monahan is an obstacle to remand, we urge the court to reconsider it. Is, Mon- isn't
2: that an argument you'd need to make to the N. Bank Court, though?
0: It is. Okay. But we want to raise and preserve it here, because I, we think that the opinions of this panel will be instrumental in guiding the the banc uh, review. If that's I understand, required. thank you. Since Monaghan in one thousand, nine hundred and eighty-two, a number of important developments have significantly changed the landscape and the analysis. In one thousand, nine hundred and eighty-five, the U.S. Supreme Court in Alexander versus I think you say COET although I've heard it say choat, held that disability discrimination is not the product of invidious animus, but rather benign indifference, and that Section 504 is not limited to conduct fueled by discriminatory intent. In 1986, the Handicapped Children's Protection Act provided that nothing in the IDEA limits the rights or remedies of students with disabilities facing discrimination.
2: In 1990... I hate to interrupt you midstream, no. but I just have this this lingering question. you You've argued consistently in both cases that about an entitlement to a full day of school. And I know this isn't the case here, but let's say that the record supported a finding that any education in a day beyond four hours would result in regression. Would the school be required to to provide a full day in that circumstance?
0: We think the answer to that is no. And, be, and that is because the focus of an individualized education program, the focus on what equal access means, is about the individual student and her individual needs. There are a number of cases where courts okay, have that, found it hurts that, children.
2: That's the way I see it, too. But you keep <laughs> emphasizing that the only way it can be equal and the only way it can meet the IDEA in the prior case is if it is a full day of school. And I'm just not sure I buy that completely.
0: And that's not our argument. Okay. Our argument is every child is entitled to a full day of school unless their individual needs require something less. Okay. That's always the exception. All of the the court cases, all of the U.S. Department of Education decisions recognize that's an exception, and it's a reasonable one. We don't want children being harmed by more... Instruction that they can handle. So,
1: what your your understanding is require, right? So, the IAP would need to find that. Look, as Judge Grinder pointed out, the student's going to be hurt Um, if if there's a finding that the FAPE can be achieved in four hours, but that additional hours would not harm the student. Do you think a full school day is required there?
0: Absolutely, because even the district acknowledges that the The concept that more instruction is better is axiomatic. More instruction is better for any child. More instruction produces more progress. Unless there is something unique about that particular child that more instruction does not do what we expect more instruction to do for any other child, then I think the answer is yes. So the Americans with Disabilities Act. 1990 required affirmative action to ensure equal access and full participation of persons with disabilities. The Supreme Court then decided Fry in 2017 and Perez in 2023, making clear that disability discrimination claims are separate and distinct rights for students with disabilities. Even when these claims overlap, they said, these claims almost always overlap. And over the past 30 years, the United States Department of Education has made consistent decisions that shortening the school day of students with disabilities is discriminatory unless driven by an individual student's unique needs and without regard to intent. AJT was treated differently by the district only because her health prevented her school attendance in the morning. That should be enough to show discrimination on the basis of her disability. The district's decision to cut AJT school was not based on anything regarding her needs but based on whatever could be learned in a standard school day without a scheduling accommodation she got 65% of the learning of her peers and was denied equal access to a full school day she was treated different differently only because she cannot benefit from education in the morning if she was to benefit from school and participate equally to her peers, she needed education after standard school hours. The district knowingly deprived her of equal education and knowingly treated her unequally. They knew before her enrollment that she could not attend school in the morning and that she needed instruction until 6 p.m. They knew what she needed because of her disability and did not give it to her. They knew the law, they knew their own policy required equal treatment. This was fully intentional discrimination. This was denial of equal access. And Section 504 in the ADA are equal access statutes. AJT's discrimination claims are about equal access and equal participation, and not about the adequacy of special education. The district knowingly deprived her and her parents of required responses to their disability discrimination complaints by ignoring them entirely. Without any investigation, notice, or correction, the district's conduct went unchecked and uncorrected for six years before this claim was filed, and damages mounted. Remand is necessary to determine consequential damages and to secure AJT's right to a full school day until her graduation. We respectfully request the district court's decision be reversed and the case remanded for trial.
3: Does your, uh, does your claim require the en banc court to re- overrule the bad faith or gross misjudgment? And if the answer I suspect is going to be no, what shows bad faith or gross misjudgment here in your view? What's the best evidence you have of that?
0: You're correct. The answer is no. And the best evidence of the district's bad faith and gross misjudgment is that the law and their own policy that embeds Section 504, equal treatment, equal access, equal, equal opportunity, and equal participation concepts was well known to every district official who uh, engaged in any discussion with AJT's parents about her uh, education. And uh, that that testimony is according to the district's own policy, the district's own employee handbook, um, and the testimony of its director of special education, uh, actually special services. She's in charge also of section 504. So they, they knew, and their handbook tells them they have to know, and their handbook tells them they have to implement these equal protection Equal access protections of non-discrimination law. When they decided year after year after year, without the required evaluation and team decision making of both IDEA and Section 504, that that AJT would only get a shortened school day, they knowingly deprived her. That was deliberate indifference to established professional judgment. Um, then they complicated those violations by ignoring entirely the complaints of discrimination the best evidence of that is their non-discrimination policy and the procedures that are in the record that say every complaint whether it's verbal or written has to be reported and their their um, employee handbook and policy say those go to that same director of special services was in charge of special education in 504. And you don't think that,
3: ne- that that's negligence, though, particularly about them knowing their own policies. I mean, in the employment context, we'll say, for example, um, that, yeah, you're supposed to read the policy. Yes, you're supposed to be knowledgeable about what's in them. But then people come in here and say, I had no idea what was in the policy. I don't read that thick handbook. And we tend to say that that's negligence, not a deliberate indifference or, or bad faith. Um why does that rise to something else here? Is it all the other conduct that adds to it? Is that is that your view of, of why?
0: It is. And it's the nature of the extensive history of complaint after complaint after complaint and a shifting cast of characters. Everybody's supposed to know and implement and enforce this policy, which embeds the law. Uh, and nobody does. Nobody pays any attention. Nobody makes any report to anybody. Um, the person who's supposed to receive the report has never heard of any of these discrimination complaints. Um, we 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 just think that that is not credible evidence, and we think that at trial that the the truth of the the matter of who made the decision and based on what factors um, will come out. If there's nothing further, I'll rest. Thank you.
4: Good morning again, Your Honors, Counsel. May it please the court, still Christian Schaefer, still here on behalf of the school district. Um, Obviously, we disagree with just about everything that Ms. Getz just said, and we urge that the district court affirm the, um, I'm sorry, that this court affirm the district court's decision the district didn't accommodate, uh, I'm sorry, did not discriminate against AJT. There were a couple of things in in the questions and answers earlier. I'd like to address um, Judge Kobus, to your question about if uh, there'd be a different result if you affirmed, or, I'm sorry, reversed the IDEA case. The answer to that case is yes. The IDEA regulations themselves are very clear that compliance with IDEA, or rather, provision of FAPE through an IEP designed pursuant to IDEA, is one means of meeting the affirmative obligation created by the 504 regulations to provide a free appropriate public education. Um, Ms. Getz also, um, I'm sorry, and this court, rather, has also said, and going back as far as Monaghan, acknowledged the different purposes of the different statutory schemes. Uh, Section 198, I'm sorry. (laughs) Section 504, not 1983, and the ADA are intended to open the door's uh, um, access level. They are anti-discrimination statutes. They do not impose by themselves any affirmative obligation on school districts. Monaghan said that. The court said it again in BM, I believe. BM also noted that uh, the ADA did not change the obligation under Section 504, and this court has routinely interpreted them to be the same. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about all the reasons why the court should not deviate from the bad faith or gross misjudgment standard, even if it uh, had the authority to do so. I think there's agreement across the board that you do not have the authority to do so. I will point out that the court in Izm looked at the same arguments made by the same amicus um, and the same plaintiff's counsel, or parents' counsel, rather, and rejected them there as well.
3: Let me ask you this. Where textually does that come from? Like, can you point me to a section or a phrase in, in the statute that actually says gross misjudgment or bad faith?
4: Those words do not appear in the statute, Your Honor. Monaghan did take a textualist approach and found that because it is an anti-discrimination statute, the quote, something more than mere failure to follow idea or failure to meet some procedural requirement was required. And in that case, they said that, I believe the court said, we believe that something more needs to be bad faith or gross misjudgment.
3: Yeah, I think we're I think we're bound by it, by it but I'm just. It, it seems like at best, it's an extrajudicial gloss on the statute.
4: The statute requires some kind of intent by being a discrimination statute, whether it's bad faith or gross misjudgment, as this court has held for forty years. I suppose is something that the Ombang panel could look at. Uh, we believe it is the correct interpretation, and there are several other circuit courts that agree with that as well. Is noted in our brief. Ms. Getz spent a lot of time talking about equal. Uh, The Supreme Court talked about equal in terms of education in the Rowley case, and in Rowley, under IDEA, under this term, free appropriate public education, the court found that that term was too complicated to be rendered down to equal. The regulations under Section 504 use the same language, free appropriate public education, much like the IDEA. Um, The use of that phrase in Section 504 is too complicated to be rendered down to numerically equal or to equality. Some students may benefit from greater education or longer hours, some students may not. Um, I believe the court said it would be both uh, over broad and over narrow to reduce um, the concept of FAPE to equality. On the subject of equality and just talking about numeric equality, AJT never received a full day of service. She did not receive one in Kentucky. This Kentucky school day, the hour was, the school day was seven hours long. Even crediting the hours that the county provided services, and that's where the um, toileting was worked on, by the way, by the county, um, she received five five 5.75 or 5 hours and 45 minutes of schooling. She's always had a shortened school day from day one. Um, This was all done through the IEP IEP process, the IDEA process, and there's nothing wrong with addressing parents' complaints through the IDEA process. This is not like the MP case, uh, cases of harassment or bullying caused, in that case, by the school district uh, releasing information about the student's uh, schizophrenia. This was a dispute in the development of an IEP. The parent asserted that they thought that it violated the ADA specifically. And the district didn't agree with them. And the, the failure to investigate, or I believe Ms. Getz said at the end, the failure to correct what she perceives as an error is really the failure to agree with the parents, and that's not required by anything, not by 504, not by IDEA. But I do, instead of talking about what the district didn't do or wasn't required to do, I want to talk about what the district did. The district allowed AJT to start school at noon and excused her absences when she couldn't do so. There's no dispute she can't do so. That is the type of quote reasonable accommodation that this similar to the one offered in Deboard, which was an altered school day to take medication, which was found not to be a violation of Section 504 or the ADA. The school district implemented an IEP that provided more minutes of service than the Kentucky IEP, which is required by requiring. Implementing an IEP that is consistent with the Kentucky IEP would have been required by idea the district went beyond that and provided more services and That is what a professional does that is the standard um, Operating procedure It is not a deviation from professional standards the district offered the extended school year services in the afternoon The regular extended school year services would begin in the morning district modified that because of her needs the district uh, also offered additional ESY services beyond its regular ESY services. The district tried to resolve IDEA disputes through the IDEA procedure, uh, including IDEA dispute resolution mechanisms like mediation or facilitated IEP meeting. Going through the IDEA procedure in an IDEA dispute is not a deviation from professional standards. The district, contrary to what Ms. Getz said, did not shorten unilaterally shorten AJT's school day. That was at all times contained in her IEP, which was developed in the IEP process. That the parent district didn't agree with the parents does not equate to unilaterally shortening the day. Um, there is no evidence in this record, on which was the record on summary judgment, that there was some outside shadowy person pulling the strings, uh, deciding this for the team or that the role of the team was usurped by somebody else, and it, it, it's a fishing expedition to say this needs to go to trial on the basis of evidence that might be adduced. It was not adduced at the time of summary judgment despite all the depositions and all the record in the case, and the court acknowledged, the district court acknowledged that to the extent that uh, they were raising uh, concerns of bad faith or gross misjudgment, there were not appropriate citations to the record, which... Cannot be revived on appeal, as we've uh, said in our brief. Um,
2: Mr. Schaefer, did I hear correctly that, I think you said that the district provided more time than Kentucky did?
4: More service minutes, Your Honor. Yes. The Kentucky IEP, and I'm sorry, I don't have those numbers right in front of me. They're in the other binder. Um, The Kentucky IEP called for a certain amount of service minutes, which the parents have said is an error, but that's the only IEP we have. Is Um,
2: service minutes different than education time? Service
4: minutes are the amount of special education services that a student receives. Um, In in AJT's case, it is largely the same thing, but it's not always the same thing. So it's the amount of time that, in this case, a one-to-one professional or speech-language pathologist or an OT or something like that might spend with a child, and it does not include regular education time. So the Kentucky IEP had a number of service minutes. The school district's IEP that came in actually proposed more minutes of special education than the Kentucky IEP, again, even crediting the services that the county provided three days a week in Kentucky. Ms. Kett said that this is a case that is not about special education services. We disagree with that proposition, Your Honor. Um, is really beyond dispute. Everything in this case revolves around the IEP and the IEP process. The shortened school day in question is in the IEP process, was developed through the IEP process. It's in every IEP in the record, the number of hours of instruction that she's receiving. Um, that is, the challenge to that is a challenge to the IEP. Um, The prior written notices and the team meeting notes contain the statements that the parents uh, base their administrative convenience argument on. Uh, AT's complaint, as I mentioned earlier, that he believed the district violated the IDEA or ADA, is a complaint raised in the IEP meeting. And the parents own pleadings, both in this case and in the related IDEA appeal raise essentially the same arguments, and the due process hearing complaint repeatedly references Section 504, and the complaint in this case had an IDEA claim that was dismissed by the District Court and not appealed. And the Smith case um, demonstrates that pleadings like this lead to the determination that the claim really is a claim under uh, IDEA. And again, that triggers the bad faith and gross misjudgment standard. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, the court has repeatedly found that substantive obligations under IDEA are more stringent than the obligations imposed under Section 504 of the ADA. And that hasn't changed with Perez or with Fry. Those cases are about procedure to get to court, not substance, not the standard of liability, not the standard that any um, any uh, student may require. Um, sort of anticipating another question, uh, uh, Judge Kobus, to your your point, if you affirm the, I'm sorry, if you reverse the IDEA case, the district should win in this case. But the converse isn't true. If the court affirms the, as I would say, erroneous decision by the district court in the IDEA case, the court still has to perform an independent analysis of the parents' uh, evaluate, um, discrimination claim under the bad faith and gross misjudgment standard. Um, The parents' argument also seems to rely heavily on the idea that there's a presumption under either idea or Section 504 that all students are entitled to the same length of school day. No court has ever decided that. The Fifth Circuit rejected it in the Christopher M. case. That's the only case really directly on point, except for the ones that the court cites in there saying that they agree with. Um, Nothing in Minnesota law creates a presumption, and holding to the contrary, creating a presumption would actually invert the burden of proof on the school district, making the school district be the one in a due process hearing that has to defend itself, or in a discrimination case, to defend itself. And that um, is recognized in uh, the Christopher M. case as well um, as uh, one of the reasons why there is no presumption. I'm trying to think if there's more on bad faith or gross misjudgment. The complaint in the investigation, as I said, Your Honor, that's a separate matter. I said this isn't like the MP case at all. Instead, I would want to draw the court's attention to the BM case. In that case, the Office for Civil Rights found that the school district violated the ADA and Section 504 in multiple ways. Um, But given the circumstances, including the school district's attempts to work with the school and attempts to provide services to the school, the court found there was no bad faith and gross misjudgment. Regardless of how the school district got there, regardless of the factors that were considered, uh, from the minute that AJT walked in the door to the minute that she leaves the door, um, whether it's at home or at school, AJT was welcome. She was provided intensive, individually tailored services by hard-working, compassionate educators who consistently testified what a pleasure it was to work with her. That's not discrimination. Again, there's no unilateral shortening. There's no unilateral deprivation with regard to access. Students have the access to the school when the school is open. There is no floating access to the school and I I. Judge Strauss, to your point earlier about clubs. Yes, there are clubs. Students have access to clubs as well. AJT would have had access to clubs. Nothing in 504, the ADA, requires a school district to create a separate program for students who cannot attend the regular, traditional program. It requires access to the original, regular program. And then uh, I'm I'm under two minutes, but I also want to point out that all of the cases, the Office for Civil Rights complaints, the cases referencing unilateral shortened school days talk about blanket policies where students were categorically denied access to programs based on their disability, or where a student's IEP did not call for a shortened school day and the school district implemented one anyway and said you have to leave before the time um, in your IEP. Um, that's not the case here. As I said, this IEP calls for the shortened school day. There is no evidence of any blanket policy. The IEP team made a decision as to what uh, length of school was appropriate for AJT. The parents disagree with that. There's a whole idea proceeding related to that. That's the proper venue for addressing that claim. Uh, Monahan has a, a good quote that when there's Everything related to the, and I'm paraphrasing, but everything related to the idea claim is uh, stripped away. There is nothing left, much less nothing else that would support a claim of discrimination. And that's the case in this case as well, Your Honor. This is truly an idea claim repackaged as a discrimination claim. So unless there's anything else, Your Honor, um, I will rest.
2: Very well, thank you. Thank you. Ms. Getch, you have a little rebuttal time left.
0: Thank you. I apologize for not having preserved it. okay. I just have four responses that I want to make to try to reorient the analysis to what we think is the correct analysis. Uh, meeting IDEA procedures is one way of meeting the 504 procedural requirements of uh, 504. The 504 that's what 504 says that's what the regulations say they say nothing about the what Council has argued which is if you Provide a FAPE under IDEA you also provide a FAPE under 504 they have very different substantive standards because 504 embeds within its Requirement for a FAPE equal access equal treatment equal participation that IDEA does not then to my second point Raleigh said nothing about equal access and rejected an equal access standard to build into the IDEA because there was no 504 claim. There was no non-discrimination claim. There was no claim for equal access, equal treatment, equal participation. And that was decided in 1982 at a time when the prevailing view was, these are two sides of the same coin. There's nothing left of any claim that could ever be raised if you... Um, Have raised and resolved your IDEA claims and then all of the other developments that have happened since 1982 that that we discussed Pre-Alexander pre pre handicapped children's protection Act pre ADA third point is The district did not provide more instruction when AJT arrived than she had in Kentucky She was educated there from 12 to 6 the district had a full release to get all her educational records all it relied on was one IEP that the parent provided that was, in fact, discovered to be an error in the in the characterization, the description of the services that were provided. But there's an affidavit in the record from uh, Mary Grace Ott, a board-certified behavior analyst who provided two hours a day, three days a week after school, knew that the, the other two days were covered by a school employee giving AJT instruction at home two hours uh, every day, so... 12 to 6 is the amount of time she got. And lastly, we have a state law. We have a state law that sets a minimum amount of instruction for every student. Doesn't say no no, no, students with disabilities. That's all, thank you. Thank you.
2: <coughs> we thank uh, both counsel for your appearance and argument in both cases, and both cases will be submitted and decided in due course. Thank you. And that completes our argument calendar for the day. The will be in recess until 9 a.m. tomorrow morning.